I have a record, like a criminal record, okay? I'm just telling you guys that up front, that I have a record that um, when I was 18, if you've been here for a while, you've heard my story that I broke into a warehouse with some buddies, we vandalized it, got caught, thrown in jail for a night. And because of that, I had to do a lot of community service hours, I had to pay a fine, and uh, I carried that record for quite a while. And I say that because I'm not the only one, and I know some of you are like, well, I don't have a criminal record. Yeah, but we've all done stuff, right? We all have a record of things that we carry around for crimes we've committed, for sins we've committed, for people we've hurt, ways even that we've let ourselves down. We all carry that around, and what's worse than that is the things we tell ourselves about it. You know, I've shared a lot about that experience when I was 18, and I, I did my community service. I paid my fine, and yet still for weeks after that night in jail, I was depressed. I've shared many times that that moment in jail, I felt and experienced God's love and forgiveness. I knew I was forgiven in my head, and yet it was hard to believe it moment to moment because I remember not just that night, but the other nights I didn't get caught right? The other things I had done, I went back years, and I was like in my room depressed as I thought of all the things as I dredged them up. And what made it worse was the voice in my own head, that you should be ashamed of yourself. I had already been called to be a pastor, but I was like, how will anyone ever listen to you? Some of you already are tuning me out, okay? Turn off the stream. I can't listen to this guy. He's got a record. Okay, I was like telling myself that I'll, I'll, I'll probably no girl will ever like me. I'll, I'll never amount to anything. And, and these words like, I can't believe you did that. And you did that on purpose and you hurt that person. What, what were you thinking? And this voice was really negative and it made me spiral downward and downward. Have you guys ever experienced that? It's the voice of guilt and shame. Guilt, we often say, is the things that you do. I have done this. And shame is when it becomes your identity. I am this. I've committed a crime and now I'm a, a criminal. And when we have that guilt and the shame, it, it leads us to spiral downward and downward because that voice is so negative about ourselves. It often leads people to do something to, to silence that voice. They will turn to, to alcohol, to drugs, maybe a, a couple drinks or a couple puffs will make me forget about that and feel better about myself. Some people even move to another city, to another job, to another state, so I don't have to remember that and be around that. Maybe I need a fresh start. We do whatever we can to silence the voice of the guilt and shame we carry around. But it eats at us and sticks with us. And sometimes we remember things we did two decades ago, and we feel just as ashamed of ourselves as we did then. I don't think I'm the only one, right? I don't think I'm the only one. So in this message today, we're going to learn how to deal with that toxic thought. How do we eliminate the negative thoughts of guilt and shame? How do we eliminate them so our brains can be washed? Well, that's what today's message is all about. You guys ready for it? How do we move from guilt to grace? Well, we today are going to look at Psalm 51, so if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and get there. If you have a smartphone and you have the Uversion Bible app, you can go ahead and download that app um, to your phone and find the Rice Church Denver event, and you can save the notes, see the scripture that we're covering today. You know, during that time, um, there was a song that was kind of replaying in my head, like this tune that just, the, like that, that time of depression right after I was arrested. Um, 
And it was weird. It's like I'd known the song for years, but all of a sudden, like, it has new meaning in that moment. Have you ever had a song that does that to you? Like, all of a sudden, like, oh, that's what those words mean, um, or, or that's what it means to me. And, and the song was a song called Pardon Me by Incubus. I love the song before that, but, but it meant something new. Like the, the, it starts out by saying, pardon me, and then it's some, these are some of the lyrics. It says, a decade ago, I never thought I would be, at 23, on the verge of spontaneous combustion, woe is me. But I guess that it comes with the territory, an ominous landscape of never-ending calamity. And exploding seems like a definite possibility to me. And the chorus says, so pardon me while I burst into flames. And that's what I felt, that guilt and the shame. I just felt like I was going to explode. I had already like exploded my life. Now I want to explode internally because the guilt and shame is so much. And it wasn't just like, pardon me, like, excuse me. It was like, I need a pardon because I felt so awful. And that song was just replaying in my mind over and over again. And I needed a new song. So we're going to look at a song today, a song from Scripture, Psalm 51, a song that David wrote when he was at a very low moment of guilt and shame in his own life so that he could get out of it. And from him, we're going to learn how to do that. So I want to start in verse 3, and then we're going to actually work our way through this entire psalm. But in verse 3, David says this. He says, For I know my transgressions. I know where I veered off the path. And he says, My sin is always before me. He feels the guilt. He feels the shame. He sees what he has done, and it's always before him. It's the song in his head. So he's writing this new song so that he can get out of it. And if you're wondering about David, it wasn't that he just had an overactive conscience, okay? If you look at the subtitle to Psalm 51 at the very beginning... It says, for the director of music, so he's giving this to his worship leader. He's like, hey, here's Sam. I want you to play this song. It says, a psalm of David. He wrote it. When the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. If you know about the story, it's much worse than just an affair. (laughs) Okay? This comes from the book of 2 Samuel chapter 11. And there David was the king. The great king, a man after God's own heart. He had conquered all of Israel. He had set up Jerusalem as the capital. It had been conquered for the first time. Like he was doing really well. And because of that, he's sitting there looking out. And he sees a woman bathing on a rooftop. And he wants her. A woman named Bathsheba. And he takes her. He sleeps with her. And then she gets pregnant. So it's a little harder to hide. He tries to you know, figure this out, but, but it, it's about to come out, so what he does is he takes Uriah, who's one of his top military soldiers, and he takes Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, and sends him out to the front lines of the battle so that he will die. So this is King David, a man after God's own heart, who wrote like half the Psalms we have in the Bible, who has an affair and then has her husband murdered to cover it up. It's a great guy, right? I love the Bible because it's so honest. It's like we're human beings, okay? It doesn't sugarcoat anything. Like every single hero of the Bible, with one exception, has some major flaws. And with David, it's no less. So what he is confessing to is not just that these sins are before him. And it's like, I feel bad because I was like mean to the, the, the teller at the bank. Like it's not that. Okay, this is way worse than that. He is actually carrying real guilt. 
You guys with me on this? He has real guilt that is weighing him down. My sins are always before me. And in that moment, he does what we need to do. So my big idea for you guys today is two parts, and, and both parts are so important. And the first one is that we need to go from guilt to God. When you have the real guilt in your life because you have done something, you're feeling shame because of who you think you've become, we need to go to God with that. And in this message, I'm not going to really differentiate between guilt and shame because they seem to go hand in hand all the time. But really, whatever it is, you're feeling that real guilt, we go to God with it. Sometimes we try to hide, we try to run away, we try to, to use substances to like numb ourselves to what we've done. But no, 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 none of those things are the way we should do it. We should actually go to God because he loves us. And that's exactly what David does. Look at verse one with me. It says, have mercy on me, God, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. And in verse two, wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. He has this song playing in his head. You're guilty. You've done wrong. Your sins are before you. And what does he do? He goes straight to God. This is why he was a man after God's own heart. Not because he was perfect, because when he sinned, he turned to God. I need help. Give me mercy. I don't deserve it. I am guilty, he's saying. I did wrong. I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Cleanse me. Wash it all away. I need a bath. And that's what we need to do. We have the guilt. So go from guilt to God. God has unfailing love for you unending compassion. There is nothing you could do. No, uh, you could do something terrible and God will still take you. You could do it again. You could teach someone from the stage not to do it and then go do it and God will still have forgiveness from you, for you. You need to go to God with your guilt. Go to God with your guilt. And it's so important to do that because we might know in our head that there is forgiveness available for us. But yet in our heart, sometimes it's hard to believe it. And that's what I, where I was at when I was 18. I was like, I know I'm forgiven, but I don't feel it. I still feel ashamed. That voice is telling me I'm done wrong. Like, how could you? What about this thing? Did you ask for forgiveness for that? That's why there's literally this little book um, called, titled, um, Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. Because some of us do it over and over again because we feel so guilty. Like, I don't know if it actually took the first time. Right? Like, we, we know, might know it in our head, but do we feel it in our hearts? We still feel the guilt and the shame. Am I really forgiven? And that's why we've got to go to God with our guilt. I spoke with a woman last week after the service. You know, I talked about forgiving yourself if we want to deal with the anger we have in our lives. And this woman came up to me in tears, confessed to me that she had committed a crime. And the nature of this crime was one that she could not go back and fix it. There was no way to, like, make it right. She's like, what, what do I do? In tears. I'm like, well, have you confessed it to God? She's like, yeah, of course. I was like, have you asked for forgiveness? She said, of course. I'm sure she'd done it multiple times at this point, right? That's what we do. But still, she was in tears. Why? Because she was still feeling the weight of that guilt. You guys been there? I still feel the guilt. I still feel the burden. I still feel ashamed of myself. And that's why we have to go to God with it. And when we do that, when we go to God, we need to be completely open, completely honest with him. We need to own our guilt and sin. That's it. We need to own it. Look at what David does. Look down at verse 4 now. David says, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. He's like, actually, I am guilty. Full admission. I did wrong. I am a sinner. You know, that phrase, against you, you only have I sinned, this really tripped me up for a long time because I'm like, wait, didn't David like sin against Bathsheba by sleeping with her when she was married? Didn't he sin against Uriah by getting him killed? And, and I struggled with this for a long time. So I'm going to give you my interpretation of why he says what he says. I think he says it because he was the king. And according to the law of that day, the king was the law. <laughs> there was no Magna Carta. There was no constitution. The king made the law. And if the king did something, it was right, period. So if the king saw a woman he wanted his wife, he could take it. It was legal in those days to take another person's wife as your own. And to put a soldier into battle, it was his soldier that he owned, he could put him into battle and have him killed. No problem. So David legitimately is saying, in the eyes of the law, I have done nothing wrong. But against God, the higher law, I have sinned. He's saying it doesn't matter if what I did was legal, it's still sinful. Because there is a higher law above every law among human beings. You guys tracking with me on this? Because there are some things in the United States... There are things in the state of Colorado. There are things in the city of Denver that may be legal, but that doesn't mean they're right. There's a higher law, and if we break that law, we've sinned. If we hurt another person, you might be like, well, I didn't break any laws here. Well, yeah, you didn't, but you broke God's law to love your neighbor as yourself. And when that happens, we need to acknowledge fully and own our sin before God, own our guilt and say, I have done wrong. David goes on in, in verse 5. He says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Okay, if you're like, well, how does a fetus sin? Okay. What he's saying is he had a sinful nature. Every single human being, by nature and by choice, chooses sin. We are sinful from the beginning. And what David is saying, he's like, not just not just Bathsheba, not just Uriah. I've, I've sinned a lot to God. That, that's what he's doing, full confession. And in this confession to God, he owns his sin, and look what he does not do at any place in this psalm. He does not blame shift. He doesn't say, well, Bathsheba is a grown woman, and she's bathing naked. In view of my palace, she knew what she was doing. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't blame her or blame anyone else for his sin. He owns it. David doesn't make any excuses. He doesn't say, well, well I'm just a man, you know, hot-blooded. I got a wandering eye. I talked with one man years ago who was like on the verge of an affair. He's like, I don't know, I just have this wandering eye. I'm like, you mean like a human eye? Like every man I've ever met, and most women do, like... Maybe all of them, I'm just not a woman, I don't know, okay? We all have a wandering eye, you're a human being, you can't have an excuse that you lust. All of us have lust, all of us are drawn to sin and tempted in different ways. He doesn't make any excuses. He doesn't have any self-justification here either. He doesn't say, well, I'm the king, and being a king is hard, nobody understands. There is a burden on me that nobody else can experience, so what I did, I just blew off some steam. It's no big deal, right? There is no self-justification here. He didn't say, well, I wasn't raised well, or like other kings are doing it. Like none of that. There's no self-justification. He doesn't minimize it either. He doesn't say, well, we're both adults. This was consensual. 
It's not that big of a deal. And like, war is war. People are going to get killed. Like, he doesn't minimize it, does he? He owns it fully 100%. He takes his guilt, lays it out there to God, and gives it to him. You guys tracking with me on this? And that's why the first thing we need to do when we feel that guilt and the shame, we give it to God. So go from guilt to God. And we have to do that. We have to own it. And this is so important for us. We have to own it. And it's important to do this. I mentioned a book last week called How God Changes Your Brain. It's really fascinating because it wasn't even written by a Christian or believer. But one of the things they said about this idea of guilt, when you become the person who fixates on your guilt, what they have found, those people who are always feeling guilty and ashamed, that voice in their head, that, that song is just on repeat, those people end up having worse physical health and more likely to have depression. It makes sense. I experienced it. If you ruminate on your guilt over and over again, it's going to lead you into depression. So here's the thing. We do take our real guilt. I have done wrong. I have sinned against God. And we must take that to God. That's the first step. But that's only the first step. Because if we stay there in our guilt forever, then it will lead to poor health, depression, and our brain is going to be messed up. What we need to do second is go from guilt to God to grace. We must receive the grace that God has for us. Go from guilt to God to grace. We must receive it. Carl Menninger was a phenomenal um, psychiatrist, uh, world-renowned, and he, after decades of being a psychiatrist, wrote in one of his books, he said that 70% of the people in his psychiatric facility in those beds, he said 70% of them would be released if they only believed four words. Your sins are forgiven. That's what he said. 70% of them. But they don't believe it. They might even think it and know it in their head, but they don't believe it in their hearts. The song that they're guilty and ashamed is still going on in their head. They need to get brainwashed and receive the grace that God has for them. Because he does. Look what David says in verse 7. He says, cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Hyssop was, uh, a plant, is a plant that has a lot of little leaves and a lot of hairs on those leaves. And it was used in ceremonial rituals to go into water or to go into whatever the holy water was to sprinkle people with it. Because the, the hairs on the leaves would catch more of the water, so it was like a, you can get more water on you. It was what God had commanded the Israelites to use when they took the blood of the lamb at the first Passover and put it over their doorposts. Because they wanted more, more blood. Like, get as much as you can and put it over the, the doorposts so that the, the angel of death will pass over your homes. Take hyssop. It's like, get as much as you can, God. I need a bath. Wash me, he says, and I will be whiter than snow. He knows that he has skin that is as scarlet, that is black, and it needs to be cleansed. He's like, I don't just need to take a moist towelette and like get my face a little bit. He's like, no, I need a full bath. I need a full shower. I need to wash all this sin away from me, God. So please wash me, cleanse me. He's asking for God's grace here, and that's what he's going to receive. The word grace is talking about what God gives to us that we don't deserve. That God has something, actually a lot of stuff for us, that we don't earn. It's just for us to receive. 
And this is so important for you guys. A lot of people think that Christianity is all about giving back to God. I've got to serve. I've got to give money to him. I've got to do all this stuff. I've got to give it to God. No, no, no. Christianity is all about receiving. What does God have for me to receive? We bring nothing except our own guilt, and he gives us grace. One of my friends used to say that grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. He has riches for us. We don't earn it. Jesus earned it. We get it. We just have to receive it. And that's so important. You can't just confess your sins and know that you're forgiven. You need to receive his grace. So I'm going to tell you five things that we receive in grace that are seen in this passage. And it's not all the things, but are five important things. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to be moving quick. So take notes quick. Okay? The first thing that God gives us in his grace that we see in this passage is that he gives us a new record. A new record. Okay? We bring a record. All of us have a record. Maybe you didn't get caught. Maybe you did. You got a record. God takes it and gives you a new record. It's expunged. It's cleaned. It's, it's washed off. My record is sealed now, so in the state of Colorado, you cannot find it. You can do a little background check on me. But the FBI can still find that record. But guess what? When God takes our record, even the FBI can't find it. It's clean. Yeah, hallelujah to that. A new record is the first thing. In verse 9, we read... Um, that David says, hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. My sin, my iniquity, all these things I've done wrong. Blot it out of your record. Give me a clean slate, a new slate even. And hide your face from my sins. And this is exactly what God does for us. In the prophet Isaiah, God promises to take our sins and hide them behind his back. So he doesn't look at them. Prophet Micah says he takes our sins and throws it into the depths of the sea. And in the depths of the sea, you can't find it. Even the Titanic is down there about to be destroyed by the powers of the water underneath, okay? It's a new record. You can't find it. That record is clean. That there's no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The record is gone. It's clean. And it's so important for some of us to just believe this in our hearts. You don't believe it, guys. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. Um, there's a story um, that Justin Holcomb tells, and Justin is now a pastor, a seminary professor, and he, he says that when he was 10 years old, um, his neighbor's house went up for sale, so it was empty, so he decided to do a little exploring, right? He broke into the house, and while he was in there, he turned on all the faucets, Left it there just a few hours, but by the time he came back to turn off the water, the entire basement, the house had been flooded. It was found a little bit later by the realtor coming to show it to some potential buyers. And the homeowners found out that they asked Justin's dad, like, hey, have you seen anybody going near there? His dad asked Justin, and Justin, of course, denied it, right? You, you do something wrong, and then you lie about it to cover it up. Isn't that what we do? And, and, and Justin did that, and, but then for the next month... His conscience was wrecked. He felt so guilty because he had done the thing unprompted. There was no peer pressure. He had no excuses. He went in there and deliberately damaged someone else's house. And he felt so evil. During that time, he kept crying out to God, like, forgive me, forgive me. But he felt so awful, the guilt and the shame that he was carrying around for so long. Finally, one of the other neighbors told uh, the homeowners that they had seen Justin kind of sneaking around. And, and later, um, his dad pulled him aside and said, Justin, 
did you flood that house? And he denied it again, <laughs> right? Denied it again. But his dad said, no, we know it was you. To which he broke down in tears and confessed and said, Dad, I've been praying for God to forgive me every single day and I don't think he will. And his dad, in a moment of understanding, said, Son, it's going to cost a lot of money to fix that house and you're going to have to pay it. There will be consequences. But if you pray to God and ask for forgiveness, you are forgiven. So go out and keep playing. And Justin said that changed his life because he realized that God does have forgiveness and his dad made it true for him that there is a new record. And now he's a pastor and a, a seminary professor so he can tell other people about the love of Jesus. That's what I want to do too. I've received that grace. I want you to know about it too. We get a new record in Jesus Christ. Our sins are forgiven. It's not held against us ever again. So that's the first thing we receive in grace, a new record. But the second thing might be even better. We receive a new heart. David cries out, verse 10, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Create in me a pure heart. The prophet Ezekiel would say that we don't even just get, get, get our hearts cleaned a little bit. We're given a new heart. The heart of stone is removed and we're given a heart of flesh. There's open heart surgery because your heart is sinful. That's one of the worst things about the guilt we carried around. We're like, actually, I wanted to do that bad thing. I did it knowing better. We need a new heart to change us from the inside out. I don't need a seven-step program to become a better person. Self-help isn't going to help. I need a new heart. And that's what God gives us to us in his grace. A new heart is placed within us that begins to change who we are. And even better... God gives us then the power, a new spirit, that's the third thing, a new spirit to obey him. Uh, look with me at, at the second half of verse 12. He says, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. David realizes, he's like, if I'm just on my own and having to, to be good and be better, like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I need a new spirit. And Jesus tells us that when we're born again, when we come to him in faith, we're given his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. We're born of the Spirit. We're given God's very own power inside of us to begin to change us, to convict us of sin, not to condemn us, to convict us of the sin we've done and to lead us into all righteousness. The Holy Spirit then empowers us to put to death our sin and to follow him and become more like Jesus every single day. We're given a new motivation from the inside out. This is amazing. God gives us the power to do it. John Piper says that grace is power, not just pardon. You guys got that? It's the power to do what God has told you to do. We need that. I can't do it on my own. I need that grace. The fourth thing that God gives us, to, gives us in his grace is new purpose. New purpose. Verse 13, David says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. He's like, if I've received your grace, I've got to tell other people about it too. That's why we say our mission here as a church is to help you follow Jesus and for you in turn to help others follow Jesus. Because if you receive grace, you've got to pass it on. If we realize if God saved a wretch like me, how can I not go tell all the other wretches around me about it? That's what we do. we got a new purpose, a new mission in our life. And the fifth thing that God gives us is a new song. A new song. David in verse 14, he says, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. 
You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Verse 15, open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. I used to be a sinner. I should not deserve to stand in God's presence who is holy and perfect, but I can and I can sing to him and worship him and praise him with my lips. I have a new song, and that's good because that old song on repeat in your brain over and over again is bad. Okay? It's, it's those lyrics that are, you're not good enough. You're a sinner. You're a terrible person. You're a slut. How could you? All those negative voices have been the song that's on repeat again and again in our head, and we are now given a new song. And that new song is what we have to play again and again. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the old Welsh preacher, said, the problem with most of us, the reason why we're unhappy, is because we're listening to ourselves instead of speaking to ourselves. It's time to start talking to ourselves. We need to start saying, you are forgiven. You are set free. You have received God's grace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am set free. The truth has set me free. Jesus has set me free. I claim the blood of Jesus Christ who has washed away all my sins. That nothing, not even my own self, can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to start saying to ourselves. Quit listening to that old song and repeat. You are given a new song. That's how we can begin to go, instead of in that spiral down into depression, to a spiral upwards, to walking with our head held high and our shoulders up, not because we're good, not because we're perfect, but because Jesus is, and he has forgiven us. That's his grace. It's his riches for us. And if you're wondering, well, like, how, do, how does that even work? How is that possible? Well, I'm glad you asked. Verse 16. David is looking into the future, and he, he sees the truth. He says in verse 16, God, you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. He says, nothing I could bring to God is enough. Nothing I could do could ever atone for the things that I have done. But, he says, my sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, God, you will not despise. God does not want us to come in and say, look what I have built. He wants us to come to say, him to, and say, I am broken. I bring nothing. My hands are empty. No sacrifice is ever good enough for you, God. Nothing I could ever do to atone for what I have done. We come broken before him. That's why David is a man after God's own heart. Because of his brokenness. I had a man um, in Nebraska come, come see me. And he was feeling really guilty about some stuff he had done. And someone in his family had just died, so he was like thinking about the reality that he might die and face judgment. And he said, man, I just feel so awful, so guilty that I was driving the other day and I picked up a hitchhiker. I was like, okay. He's like, I had to. I had to do something to atone for my sin. And I said, Man, there are no amount of hitchhikers in the entire world you could ever pick up to atone for your sin. You can't ever do enough to get right with God. You can only bring your brokenness and empty hands. But when we come before him, we have to do it. And as David says next, we look forward, or he looked forward to the final sacrifice. In verse 18, 
He says, may it please you to prosper Zion. He says, make Jerusalem great, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous. David didn't know what was coming ahead of him. He wanted to build a temple. Because he thought, if we build a really cool temple and offer sacrifice in it, then maybe God will be able to atone for our sins. And his son Solomon did build the great temple of Israel. And they did offer sacrifices twice a day, every day, every year. And guess what? It wasn't good enough. Because every single one of those priests was sinful too. Until there was someone who would be born. Jesus. Who was born of a virgin so he did not inherit his sinful nature from his father. And Jesus never sinned. Never did anything wrong. He lived a perfect, righteous life fulfilling man's law and God's law. And though Jesus was perfect and did nothing wrong, he suffered a sinner's death, experiencing the consequences of our sin when he died. And anyone who puts their faith in Jesus and what he did for us on the cross, his body broken, his blood shed, those people could be forgiven and receive that grace, that new record, that new heart, a new spirit within them, a new mission and purpose in their life, and a new song to sing every single day that's purchased for them through Jesus Christ, the ultimate, perfect, righteous sacrifice that we could never fulfill. You guys hear me on this? If you are carrying around guilt and shame right now, I hope you know what to do now. You go from guilt. You gotta admit it. You gotta own it. We gotta be in brokenness. Go from guilt to God and then to grace. And when we can move in that and walk in that grace and sing that song, I am forgiven. I am set free. I have a new life. My past is gone. It will never be remembered again, never be held against me. I have a new record. And when you can start speaking to yourself like that with that new song, you can walk out with your head held high. That's when you've been brainwashed. And some of you need to hear it again and again. I know I needed to when I was 18. But I am forgiven. And today we're going to celebrate in this service four people going into the water of baptism to symbolize that their sins are being washed away that they're dying to their sin and being raised to new life with Jesus. And this is important. We all need it. There were three first service. And some of you have been baptized. Maybe you need to remember your baptism today. But I think every single one of us, what you should do from now on, every single time you wash your hands, you wash your face, you get in the shower, you go swimming. I don't care if there's a river near you. Remember that your sins have been washed away. I don't need to live in that sin, that guilt, that shame again. I don't need that burden. I am forgiven. I am washed clean. And remember that every single time you see water, you are forgiven. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. So would you please close your eyes and pray with me. Dear God, we are a bunch of sinners. You guys are already repeating after me. You guys are doing it before I even ask. Lord God, we're sinners, and we need your help. I'm the chief sinner here, the lead sinner in this church, and we need your forgiveness. Some of us are carrying real guilt, real shame around. Remove it from us. You say you won't even remember it. You choose to forget it, and that is incredible that you sent your own son to die on the cross so that we could have that forgiveness, Lord Jesus, and we need it right now. We claim it, 
And we know your truth that if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So today we stand here forgiven, your children loved and accepted. We receive your grace afresh. Now, if you're here and you've never received that grace before, maybe today you're feeling the need to do it. And I want to tell you that you need to claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior to receive that grace in your life. It's not enough to just feel guilty. You need to receive the grace. So if everyone here could please repeat after me, and if you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody who needs to pray it for the first time. Please repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Save me. Forgive me. Wash me. In faith, I declare, Jesus is Lord. Give me the gift of eternal life. Fill me with your new spirit. Help me to follow you and walk in grace till I die. Now with eyes closed, we just want to celebrate with you if you made that decision for the first time today. So if Jesus today for the first time is your Lord and Savior, we just want to celebrate. We had two first service, and man, I love when people make this decision. So if that's you, I want you to raise your hand in the air, and then we want to give you a gift. So on the count of three, one, two, three, put your hand in the air. Nobody's looking around except our ushers will come and bring you a book that we want to give you. Keep your hand in the air if you make that decision today. Um, Lord God, we are grateful for all who make a decision to follow you, and we're so excited to see four people this morning make a decision to follow you into the water, to declare publicly that they are washed, that they are forgiven, they are a new creation in you. I thank you for the ability that we have to get to celebrate with these people, that we too would remember that we are forgiven and set free. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.